This is the Bedford Blues Podcast. Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Bedford Blues Podcast. We're at uh, we at Goldington Road. I hope you are very safe and happy and making your way through this difficult period as well as possible. To make it slightly easier to pass the time and indeed to take you on a trip down memory lane, we've decided to look back at one particularly enjoyable season in recent Blues history. It has been 15 years since the Blues won the Paragen Shield at Twickenham. And with me, Sam Roberts, to share their recollections of that truly wonderful occasion and reminisce about the season as a whole of three men who played a crucial part in steering the club through to Rugby HQ. Via the power of Skype, I'm very pleased to say that we have former club captain and lifter of the said shield that day, Mr. Matt Allen. Good afternoon, morning, Matt. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Sam. How are you doing? Yeah, good, very good. Also on the line is the mighty and vocal engine room presence of the unmistakable Mr. John Phillips. Hey, Sam, how are you? Yeah, very good. Good to have you with us. And magically, from all the way down in deepest dark Devon, is a former fly half who spent four seasons at Bedford before moving on to Exeter, where he seems to have done okay. It's Mr. Ali Heifer. Hey, Sam. How are we doing? Very good. Great to have you with us. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, all for joining me. Uh, but before we go anywhere else, I'm going to try and set the scene and, and take you back to 2004 and the 2005 campaign. It was something of a seminal season in recent Blues history. It was kind of transitional. The previous year had seen the departure of director of rugby, Colin Jackson, who had steered the club through a tricky sort of four-year period after relegation from the Premiership in 2000. And in came the rather recognisable and, and hefty figure of Rudy Strowley. Uh, you all played a slightly different role in those changes. Um, Ali, if I can start with you, you were already in situ at the club, having played a couple of seasons under, under Colin Jackson. What do you remember about that change? Uh, well, you know, it was quite a big one for me because um, previously I'd been player coach for those two seasons beforehand. Um, uh, and that was sort of my first gig as a coach, uh, which was which was interesting. Uh, I love the coaching side of things. I think, uh, you know, that was fantastic and a real um, development for me in those in those couple of years. But um but then equally trying to marry it up and play at the same time was was probably the toughest thing I've ever done because on one side you want to coach to a certain level and on the other side you've got to you've got to manage your playing side of things and and it was tricky you know it was tricky because sometimes you you'd look at things and say I want to coach that guy on on that thing and try and remember that thing but then the ball would come to you and you'd be thinking about that and then you'd make errors yourself and and ultimately, you, you, you want to coach to a perfect level. And you, when you're a player, you, you're never perfect, so especially probably in the 10 slot. So the transition to come away from the coaching was, was really good. It freed me up, um, it freed me up for, uh, for, um, to allow me to play and concentrate on that side of things. And I think that was, that was much better for me. Um, and, and obviously, it was nice to see... Obviously, Rudy comes in um, and takes control of things, and and obviously Andy Key as well came in and 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 ran the uh, the attack. So it allowed me to step back and focus a bit more on the rugby. Matt, uh, you were a new signing, a new captain brought in from Cardiff. Um, what do you remember about the message that you were sort of asked to give the squad in that season? Um, it, it was a funny one actually because I, I Colin actually signed me, and then the following week he left. So I don't know whether there was any any come. <laughs> any sort of link there that yeah, what have I done I'm leaving this sinking ship um, <laughs> but I I don't know I, well I, I didn't I wasn't really signed as the captain um I just I was signed as a player um and <clears throat> Matt Volland was captain 
uh, it was decided, I think Hughes has decided that he would rather focus on just pushing and lifting, concentrating on those two things. Um, and with a couple of big characters, naming no names, John Phillips, <laughs> uh, who had joined the the club as well, and, and he just won. He just felt that actually maybe it was better if he stepped back from captain. So I just um, really sort of came came to me and said, "Do you want to be captain?" And he's the sort of guy you're not going to say no to, is he? So uh, yeah, of course I'll be captain. So there was no real idea as to right, Matt, you're joining the club. This is what you want to do. But I think I just I just captained it the way I felt I should do, and with a fair. A fair input from Rudy. You know, he used to spend a lot of time um, chatting with me about about various things. To be honest, so yeah, we 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 would just sort of chat about stuff. And and whilst I think maybe our long term goals were different, our short term goals were very similar. Myself and Rudy, so it, it all worked fairly well. JP, uh, Ru- Rudy came with a pretty scary reputation uh, off the back of his time with South Africa. What what were your memories of that reputation in reality? It wasn't that scary. He was always kind of kind of quiet around the players. But then, obviously, when the moment when he got his heckles up, he, he did get quite physical and quite um, angry and shouty a little bit. I kind of remember he'd just come back from all the World Cup for Uri about the training camps. And we're all wanting around his players because we got signed by Mr. Colin Allen and that. And it was like, Jesus Christ, what's happening here? Colin Allen. <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> And then it turned out, you know, actually, he was uh, deep down inside quite a nice, kind-hearted rugby bloke. But obviously, you didn't want to go on the wrong side. Just, just butting in, I remember the first session that he came to. He had us all sat in one of the changing rooms. And obviously, as you, as you mentioned, uh, you guys, this was his first coaching job after the World, World Cup. Cup, where they had South Africa done very well, and he he took a lot of the blame for how he dealt with the squad. And they had that camp style dread where they had them walk apparently walking through freezing cold ponds at gunpoint, um, and, and we all sat in the change rooms, all slightly scared of this massive great bear moth of a man. Um, and he was chatting away, and he just said, um, "It's not like I'm going to hold you all at gunpoint." And everyone just sort of sat there and went, "Wait!" and sort of nodded. And he sort of said, "He said that was a joke. You can laugh." And we all went, <laughs> "Just no one knew how to take him." Wasn't the first session right next to a pond as well, a Bedford Park or something? So. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, we used to run across to the no, we used to run across to Bedford Park and." Um, uh, and as you went in, there were the parks, the, the, the two ponds there. So, yeah, I guess yeah. there was probably some comments, comments about <laughs> checking out for gunmen. <laughs> <laughs> from, uh, from a league perspective, uh, it, my, my research has, has reminded me that it was an incredibly sort of close-fought affair. There were, there were 14 teams in the league. I'm going to remind everyone because it was a while ago. Rotherham have been relegated from the Premiership, uh, almost gone into liquidation, but was saved by a band of local businessmen, as was the uh, as was in vogue at, the, at that time. Cecily Park and Nottingham were the newly promoted sides. It was a league ruled by the South West. At the end of it, the top four were Bristol, Exeter, Plymouth and Penzance and Newlyn, who obviously later became the Cornish Pirates. But between fourth place and uh, uh, seventh place, uh, which was where Bedford finished up, there was just one point. And in fairness, Bedford could perhaps have broken into that top four. Two home losses in February against Rotherham which was supposed to be our first game. I don't know if you remember that, Matt. That was actually, the Rotherham game was postponed from the first game, weekend of the season. And and, and then we lost against Welsh in, in February as well. Uh, Matt, is that a fair summation of the league position that season? Should we have been in the top four? 
Uh, we could have been. It, it was a funny old season because, I mean, you, you've sort of said it there, there were as a massive range of clubs involved. And I know that Bristol had, um, that they walked away with the league, uh, as I remember, and Exeter were just making that final push to get into the Prem, which they seem to have coped with since then, to be fair. Um, <laughs> um, Luck fluke. Yeah, God knows how. The coaching staff, jeez. <laughs> um, all about good players, all about good players. It was, yeah, we, we should have done better, than, we should have been better than seventh. I think with the greater respect to a lot of those clubs in that league, or that, that were in that league, you know, that there wasn't, that there were two or three good clubs and everyone else was beatable. Um, and when we played well, we were, we were really good, but we didn't play well Every game, um, we lost. Uh, you mentioned London Welsh, Rotherham. Yeah, they're games that really, with the squad we had, we should have won. So yeah, every, every reason why we should have been top four. So we we signed quite a few players. Who joined that year. You joined. I joined. Vasi. Did he join that year? Yeah, I think so. Joined, uh, yeah. Pedro Moya, people like that. All joined. It was, it was ben Lewitt and Hints at fullback as well. So. Um, yeah. Mike we had Andy Key, Ali, you mentioned Andy Key. We had Andy Key who just confused the backs. He was brilliant. His, his sessions would be right. Well, if you run there and you run there and you run this place and you run there, then if you run, then potentially the hole is there. And all us going, going, what are you talking about, Kiwi? We have no idea. <laughs> I think you brought it from Leicester. Leicester first team got yeah. it. We didn't quite didn't <laughs> no, down too far. So. Um, but he could talk, Kiwi. He was a, oh, a good talker. It was the last ever season of the uh, of the Power Gen Cup, which was a, a new invention of the Techly Bitter Cup competition, where clubs from different leagues competed against each other. Uh, John Phillips, there was something a little bit special about that format of the competition, wasn't there? A chance for big clubs to travel to some of rugby's outposts and, and possible upsets. Must have served up some, some good memories. I think so. I mean, it's, it brings back the sort of... The, the football version of the FA Cup, really, the, the lower league team getting a chance to play against one of the, the bigger teams. I think we, had, we played Northampton, didn't we? We went to Franklin's yeah. uh, Gardens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did we 40 points to not a lot? Which, yeah. you remember, there's quite a few um, ex-Northampton players in the Bedford team at the time, so it was a bit of a strange one for a lot of us going back to Franklin's Gardens and playing. So I, I think it's a, it's a format that potentially, uh, without getting too much involved in the leagues and stuff. When you look at the uh, Anglo-Welsh Cup and the other bits and pieces and the, the cups that the club has to pay, play in now, they don't seem to generate the same sort of atmosphere and opportunities for perhaps like a, a, a Bedford to take on a local uh, premiership club such as Northampton or Leicester or something like that. Do any of you remember who went on to win the Paragen Cup that year? Leeds. York, yeah. Very good. Leeds or Yorkshire, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah very good. Very good. You've been doing some homework, JP. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, uh, we, we played Tabard and then Halifax in the opening rounds. Uh, and, and then came a, a really good win against a, a good Exeter side at Goldington Road. That Exeter side contained the names uh, Rob Baxter, Richard Baxter, Tony Yap, Graydon Staniforth. Both fatty loafers were playing for extra at that time. Sayuni Kepu, Gary Kingdom, uh, Alistair Murdoch, a former Blues man, was down there. Um, it, it was uh, it was a very good rivalry between Bedford and Exeter. Um, 
Talk us through your memory. Can you remember that game, Matt Allen, uh, beating them at Goddington Road uh, in the Cup? I can. Do you know, I remember every extra game when I was at Bedford because those two fattier loafers used to kill me. <laughs> they used to walk on the pitch and just look at the two of them and think, oh, man, I'm going to get so beaten up here. I think I, I used to assist in that. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Flip and fly half. Well, there you go, man. Enjoy that. <laughs> Where are those two? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, we've played really, really well. Um, extra, I think, would have been definitely would have been the the, the form team, the fancy team, and and we really battled. And I can't remember the score. It was. It, I know it was very close. And I remember we were defending on our try line. <clears throat> excuse me, defending on our try line. Last play of the game. Um, Ref had told me it was last play of the game, and we. I think we managed to turn them over in a ruck right on our try line in front of the clubhouse. Um, and and I actually was at the back of the ruck. And it seems to be commonplace that it's done now, but I thought I was really special. I picked the ball up from the ruck, ran backwards into the dead ball area and hoofed the ball over the clubhouse into the car park. <laughs> but, but there was there was a half-second delay before the ref blew his whistle. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, ref, come on. You, you, and, and it felt like it was a 10-second delay, and, and I thought he wasn't going to blow. And uh, I don't know, it's going to be a scrum five and they're going to walk us over now. Um, and then he blew the whistle. So the biggest relief for me was not because we'd won the game, but because the ref gave it just long enough for me to absolutely die and think that I'd probably lost us the game. <laughs> um, Ali, does it does it feel a little bit weird thinking back to, to sort of Bedford versus Exeter games? And I mean, the, the next season, fans might remember the next <laughs> season, was very interesting going down there and, and, and securing a place in, in the final uh, against Quinns, um, does it does it feel a bit strange looking back in it uh, on it now? Those Bedford Exeter games, Ali Heifer? Um Yeah, it does a little bit. You, you sort of, um, I don't know. I was looking at the league table, um, and my initial thoughts were we finished second, but I was obviously looking at Exeter, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I had to recheck myself. Um, no, but it, um, yeah, it, it, it does. I mean, you speak. I've spoke to Rob a few times about games against uh you know Bedford and uh and Exeter and and he always thought it was one of his their biggest games of the season was always coming up to Goldington Road uh, and I think likewise for us you know it was always uh going down to the and uh seeing the sprinklers on as uh, as as may may happen in the middle of uh, winter um <laughs> and, and trying to fight and trying even to try and drop a ball out 10 metres was a tough gig and get it off the floor, you know. So um, it, it was, they, they were just big battles, you know. They had obviously aspirations to uh, to kick on. Um, and I think, you know, in those latter years, I think uh, I remember in their clubhouse walking past a, a, a sort of a plan for Sandy Park and you thought, suddenly you thought, oh, they're, they're, they're thinking seriously about this. So, um but it, certainly, there were great, great memories. You know, I had a little look at the team sheet there. It was like, say, some big men there. Hayden Thomas as well, who I work with now mm. at, at nine as a youngster uh, coming through, you know. So um, it, it, it was, you know, it was, it was a good old rivalry. You know, two big packs, as, uh, as, as, as is often the case with better sides. And um, I say it was always full-blooded, especially like Matt said, the, the fatty loafers in the midfield. Uh, and and trying to batter him through that, you know, trying to give him the best chance possible. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, no, but they were good fun, you know. Always like you say, tight games, and and say we had 
you, you kind of remembered those wins. John Phillips, do you remember Exeter with fondness? I wouldn't say fondness. I mean, it was always, as a forward going down, as Ali just said, you know, the pitch was never, ever dry, hard. Not that it really helps my speed and agility, but <laughs> the, the whole brute force. Sorry, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. John Phillips, speed, agility <laughs> should, should not come in the same sentence. <laughs> Sorry, carry on, as you were. Just, just, uh, just clumsiness <laughs> and uh, literance. Uh, it was always always a tough gig going to Exeter because they were a very physical outfit. Uh, and not much has changed since Ali's been there, to be fair. <laughs> and they used to just keep coming at you. And obviously with playing with players like Rob and other bits and pieces who were Exeter through and through. They were a thoroughly committed group of players. But it was always good fun. And, and always a good night out afterwards as well, to be fair. <laughs> good KFC across the road. KFC, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I happened to read a, a post um, on LinkedIn. I every now and then go on LinkedIn by Chris Bentley. La- only last night, actually. Um, oh, right. Talking a talking a gobby second rose, JP. There's another one. Um, and and he he put a photo of a well, he put a photo of um, an Exeter try and him in the background cheering. And he said then, and he, and he put, put, we are still the only team, or something along the lines of, we're the only team where all 15 players celebrate a try. And it made me think about every time we played at Exeter, it felt exactly that way. You felt that it wasn't just the person on the ball against you. You just felt like it was the whole team against you. And every time they did score, my God, did they let you know about it. And um, and the cheers and the whoops and them all coming charging in and and it really was quite oppressive and 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 quite threatening in that not not in a nasty way but it just you just felt up against it so it made it it was just another string to their bow I think to make you feel that you were in this for a really tough battle yeah I think look that's that's certainly something that Rob obviously pushed as a player and he he's, he pushes it now as a coach you know. He'll pull out videos of people not celebrating and joining in with the rest of the guys. So, look, it's important. You you got to you got to celebrate those those wins throughout throughout every game. And I say, the more you like you say, it, it feels like everyone's against you. The, the more it can be intimidating and, and make you feel vulnerable. And then you start winning that mental battle. You you get that. I think I think as a we were old enough, you know, in a sense we were quite an experienced side that we were able to cope with that side of things. But um, it's still, you know, it's still a major factor in games. That win against Exeter, sort of, as JP's already alluded to, brought a, a pretty familiar figure into view: a trip to the gardens. Um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a vintage Saints side though that year. Um, if I remember correctly, I, I think they ended up in a bit of a relegation battle down the bottom. Ended up about. 10th or 11th, uh, they, alongside... They got, they got rid of um, Alan Solomon, didn't they, halfway through the season? Yeah, yes, I remember. Grace in charge. Did you think that going to the Gardens, it would have been an ask, it would have been difficult, but but did you think off the back of that extra win, was there a feeling of, oh, we, we could do something special at, at, at Gardens at, at all? I, I don't think we deep down thought there was a, a chance of premiership team, but there's no pressure on us because everybody expected us to lose. Oh, we did. <laughs> <laughs> we did that quite well, I thought. No, I, my memory of it was we, we we didn't go there expecting to win. Um, it was quite an enjoyable atmosphere. It was it was pretty relaxed local derby, in all honesty. Um, and and yeah, we we, we knew we were never gonna never gonna make it. I know that it actually, in a way, it made Swanee Tonga Weha's uh, career, didn't it? Because he was only really a bit part player for us during that season. He was the size of a small country. 
Um, but obviously Saints saw something in him, which we obviously could see in him as well. Um, and they uh, and on the back of that game, he got a contract there and they, they stripped half a ton of weight off him and made him into a hell of a player, didn't they? Um, but yeah, it, it was a good day out. It was, it, yeah, it was... I remember getting short-armed by Dylan Hartley, which was no huge surprise. Um, but, but yeah, it was it was a nice day out. It, it, it was just seemed fairly pressure-free, and and let's go and enjoy ourselves. Having been bounced out of uh, of one cup, uh, we, we ended up in a, in a semi-final of a of a, of a shield competition uh, against Potemps Bees, uh, as they were called then, Birmingham Solly Hull. Yeah, it was it was an interesting B side that um, they'd won spectacularly the year before versus Wasps. Uh, if you remember, they they on the TV they they put out Wasps on the TV, uh, but actually had been absolutely walloped by Leeds. I think Leeds put about eighty points on them uh, to sort of dump them out of the Power Gen Cup, and then and then we got them at, at home. Do, do, Ali, do you remember much about, about that match up and, and and how that went? No, absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, I'm at home. Are you sure we played at home? I thought we uh, played. Yeah. Would you be playing at I don't know. Um, I, don't, I, I will find out. I, can, I have a reflection of a may well be right. I have a reflection of a game up there in freezing cold conditions, been ha- blowing a howling gale. Um, it was peeing down with rain. Um, and and we ended up sneaking it by, I don't know, 15, 10 or 15, 6 or something in the worst conditions ever. They were in that financial bit of trouble, weren't they? I think they spent quite a lot of money on their, their players, um, but they've done nothing in terms of their facility and where they were, because they were in quite in that, um, basically a park with a couple of porter cabins, was their clubhouse, mm. which is not to say that doesn't mean it's a, it's a good club, but it, they seem to be quite... Um, Brutal with their money, I think. And I think that cost them that year. I think towards the end of the year, whenever it was out for them, the players weren't playing for them. Uh, yeah, Matt, Matt is right. It was 15 7 was, was, was the score. Uh, Lee Hinton's boot, I think, again, uh, doing, doing the damage. Um, but it, but it, it booked us a place at, at Twickenham, uh, JP. Do, do you remember, do you remember that, that realization, that, that sort of, oh, we, we're going to have a good time and, and go out? What, was the, what were the thoughts on the back of that semi final win? Well, we were definitely going to go out. Um, yeah, to be fair, it was you know it was quite important for us to win that that game. And as Matty said, we never felt like we were going to lose that game against Per Tempe's. It was one of those games we had to grind out. We were just in control of it, but it just took took us the 18 minutes to get to the win. Like you said, 15-7, you said. And yep. I think we just had a, a a bit of a bit of a party afterwards and, and got ready for what actually again was a great day out for the club as a whole to go down to Twickenham on a bright sunny day. Uh, and have a, a day out of Twickenham. Ali, when, when does that sort of preparation start for, for, for Twickenham? How far out do you start thinking about it? And do, is, is, it, is, it, is it tricky not to, to peak too early when, when, when a cup final comes your way? Well, uh, I mean, it's, diff- it's difficult. Different circumstances, um, you know, dictate a little bit, I guess. Look, back in those days, it was obviously it was an important thing to keep your form. Uh, to try and uh, make sure you're in the side. I don't know what our running was to to, to the Twickenham final, but um, you certainly see it. It's in the back of your mind, but equally knowing that you don't want to really slip up uh, and put in a poor performance to get left out of the side. So, um, you know, I guess um, you, 
you see it and you plan for it, but the most important thing is you keep yourself um, in good good nick and and you know in, in that side. Um, uh, the, obviously, the build up through the week is there's a little bit more of attention, you know, a few more press things and things like that. But um, um, it's more about just keeping relaxed and, and going in with the right attitude. That's I always think with finals is the is getting yourself in the right frame of mind to, to go and attack a game and go out, get after a game as opposed to, you know, worry about making a mistake that might cost you the game. So um, that, that's very much the, the mindset sort of around myself. I don't know whether the rest of the guys are, are slightly different or what. I think it's very much that way. Uh, I think obviously as players, you're kind of thinking, as Ali said, you've got that balancing act of thinking you don't want to pick up a knock or you don't want to lose form. So you, you've got to get yourself mentally in that right place to actually be enjoy the moment, enjoy the fact that we're going to go to Twickenham, enjoy the fact it's going to be a final. And I think as a team, we did. And I, although you could argue maybe in the final, Sam, I know you can talk about we probably played particularly well. Um, but I think as a, as a group, because we've done that through, we managed to sort of stay in the fight till the last minutes and uh, snuck it over. Um, Matt, um, did you know or do you remember the fact that you beat uh, Plymouth uh, at the start of April uh, quite convincingly at home, 39 points to 20? Uh, Vassy scored a couple. Sean Brady got over as well. Lee Hindon's boot. That that must have made a big difference when you found out that you were playing Plymouth uh, in the final. <laughs> <laughs> Very insightful. Matt, did you? Did you? <laughs> Sorry, um, I've, uh, um, my Wi-Fi has been terrible. I've had to. I did, I've come right down next says the route. I've not listened to the last three or four minutes. Last thing I remember, I was talking, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> As you were, tell, tell me through what you were just talking about. <laughs> I was talking about the fact that we beat Plymouth uh, 39-20 at the start of April. And then obviously found out we had them in the final. That that must have been a huge fillip, a huge psychological advantage going into into the Twickenham final. Yeah, I guess it probably. <laughs> Matty, you've gone again. <laughs> Maybe not so much. For me, uh, about, uh, <laughs> the game. Uh, it's a bit like his speech before the game. Down to Plymouth. Keep going. We can't. We can't hear. Love it. We can't hear. We can't hear you, unfortunately, Matt. Um, <laughs> he's gone. Right, he's gone. Probably <laughs> not. I've turned my video off. Can you hear me now? Yes, that that might be better if you turn yeah. your video off. Sorry, start again. Start right. again. Go. <laughs> Go. So, um, I was born. No, what? Um, what do we? So, um, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna love it. Um, so. Um, I, I didn't. I managed to look after my body really well for the four weeks before the final, because on the Thursday night before we we played against Plymouth earlier in the the, the month, uh, I put my back out and ended ended up um, flat on my back at home for three days on Valium, not being able to move. Um, so I had no involvement in that um, 
in the Plymouth League game and then didn't play again until the cup final. So I managed to pick and choose my games and um, and look after my body. That's why we worked so well. <laughs> well, <laughs> I went in the run-up to the final, you mean, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I do, the game member, though, when, when we... Um, when we after we beat per temps bees in the semi um, and the presumption was that Bristol would win the other semi and would probably then go on and beat us um, and, and that sort of feeling of we've actually got something here in the changing rooms after the bees game um, where we thought do you know what actually we, we've got to be favourites now do you remember what happened because Bristol got reinstated into the Powergen Cup because Wasps had fielded an ineligible player. Wasps had beaten Bristol, and then and then Bristol got reinstated to that competition and had to go on and play, I think it was Gloucester, I think, and Gloucester whacked them, uh, and, and then subsequently sort of concentrated on, on other things. Does, does that ring any bells with you, Ali Hefer? Uh, I, I couldn't remember that. I, um, no, uh, um, the, the interesting thing was, I think with that Plymouth game um prior to it they came in with some sort of tactic whereby they either kicked everything to touch or they didn't kick at all or something like that uh, and there's there was some twist to that they tried some sort of tactic running it from everywhere or something like that and we obviously thumped them and with i don't know whether that was a, supposed to be a smoke screen for the final or what yeah I, I i don't know but i remember it being there was a different tactic operated by them and we weren't sure quite how they'd approach the final so um but yeah i didn't realize bristol had, had, had fallen by the wayside by by you know progressing in the other competition and then the game itself at the final behind from pretty much the start t- two minutes nat salmi crashes over uh and and that they were in front, but the Blues always sort of, sort of stuck within striking distance. Is is that your your memory your your memory of it, uh, John Phillips? Yeah, I, I remember them scoring earlier. We were up under the post and uh, thinking about what we we're going to change and do and stuff. But so early on in the game that perhaps it gave us the kick up the uh, the rear end that probably we needed. We started focusing a little bit, and we always kept within that with Lee Hinton kicking so well. Um, we could I think we got penalty pretty much short after that try, I think. And they just kept us within that sort of try uh, distance. I think if they'd have got further away or scored again, then we might have been in trouble. Um, I can't remember. Who was playing? Who was the eight who was playing? Was it Alf? Tuala was at, at, at six. Uh, Danny Thomas at seven for them. Dan Ward-Smith Dan was at eight. Yeah. Uh, Nick Routes and Brett Luxton uh, uh, at lock forward. Uh, and their back line was uh, Oscar Lee Robinson out on the right wing, uh, Salmi yep. and Fisselau, Pritchard, who went off uh, injured, uh, Matt Carrington at outside half and Brian Shelbourne uh, at scrum half. Uh, it was 13-6 at half time, Matt. Can you remember what was said at, at half time uh, in, in, in the interval? I, I love the fact you named the team. And guess what? Two more Islanders in the centre. So I, I used to <laughs> love going to West Country. <laughs> <Sammy> and Fisilau. <laughs> I, was, I was mentioning um, about half time. Uh, yeah, and that, yeah, but I, I, I'm just, I want to just backtrack. As I remember rightly, that, that first try was, it was something bizarre, like an interception off nine. 
Um, yeah, off scrum. By, by the scrum. Yeah, by the yeah. scent, it was bizarre. And anyway, but we kind of, they scored the try. Um, and we managed to get Pritch injured, which I think was actually a bit, I don't think we actually physically aimed to injure Pritch. But um, as I remember, he was the what we felt was the big threat because we knew he would kick goals for fun. Um, and everyone knew him as well because of his time at, um, at Bedford. Um, so I think even though we went down early, we felt confident. We, we felt that we were the better side. Um, and and half time, it, it really it just felt like a case of guys that just keep going. We're doing some good stuff. We're doing the right stuff. Um, and and it will come. I don't think we had to really change a massive amount. Um, j- just staying positive and keeping going. Ali, do you remember much about the try? Uh, Mark Harris eventually rounding it off, but. I seem to remember a pass released Craig Moyer. Yeah, I think um, I think it was a dummy switch uh, ball in behind um, to Craigie, just off a right-hand side scrum. Um, and there were a few instances through the game. I think we we caused them a bit of bother in the wide outside channels. I think there was another instance. That was two Islanders wanting to step in and smash me all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it was handy having Matt there. Uh, really great. <laughs> um, so yeah, I even remember Matt actually breaking loose in the outside channel and and in really? inside. Yeah, I, I was a bit me scared. in the outside channel. <laughs> I think you were got lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, yeah, I was wondering who to batter it up, but uh, I had to chuck it wider. He was out there. <laughs> He's hiding from the uh, Islanders. Um, but um, but um, no, it was. Um, I think we'd had a bit of joy off most set piece in the wider channels. And, and when you look back, there's a couple, there's a couple of highlights on um, on YouTube, um, and uh, you actually see there, there wasn't too much line speed, so there was always space out there. And I say we we just kept probing away. I think Craigie then, like you say. Um, Hit a, hit a good arc and managed to straighten it up nicely and t- the timing of the pass when the guy stepped in was perfect to release uh, Mike Harris uh, for the try line and he just squeaks over with a little bit of a slide. The, the game, however, wasn't quite won there. Lee Hinton missed the conversion. Um, was there a, was there a, a sort of a, a reaction to that on the pitch, if, if you like, that sort of moment of, oh, we scored a try, but... I- Actually, they're they're still ahead. Did, did you did you feel that out there at the time? I did. Yeah, I remember it's always pretty deflating when you score a good try um, in a kickable position as well. It wasn't far off the the left hand post, was it? Um, and and I forget I forget whether that the what did the the the, the score the try make the score? Can you remember? Th- 13, 12. Sorry, thirteen twelve. Sorry, 11 that's what yeah I thought so and you're thinking conversion evens things up and then it's all to play for and then you get that oh you get the sort of elation of the try and and it is quite deflating and and right okay maybe it's not going to happen this time and and but I still think there was there was that belief and that confidence throughout the squad that we were playing the better rugby and so long as we didn't change anything um it, it would still come good which which obviously it did just you talk about belief there this will be slightly controversial for Blues fans, but um, was there was there a point to suggest that some of that belief has based in a Northampton Saints win in, in the European Cup in, in 2000? You know, sort of four or five years. Pre- so, so many of, of, of that team, I think it's about 
four, five, six maybe of that starting team for Bedford Blues in that Shield final had played uh, a big part uh, in in that sort of Northampton uh, side. Is there something to say about about belief uh, sort of being given to you because you've been in a situation before that was relatively similar? I'd not Do thought you- of that. Uh, I, I suppose possibly. Um, I, I think that there was more than that, though. I think that um, you know Rudy instilled a, a belief in the squad. Um, uh, I, I guess it might have been of benefit that, uh, uh, as you say, a large proportion of that team um, had experience of squeaking a win at Twickenham. Um, yeah, maybe. I, I just think, like you say, you, uh, belief is everything, you know, in 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 the sport. And um, and I think we had we had quite a lot of experience. We had guys that were also going to step up to Premiership rugby as well. So a little bit of youth as well, but. We had a lot of experience that just maybe didn't get flustered by things like that. It was right. Let's get to get our processes in order. Let's get our exit and let's get um, you know into um, in, into their area and attack for you know. Ultimately, we 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 attacked and played for tries. So I know we only scored one, but our whole play and an effort was to score tries out that that day and attack the game. Um, and obviously, look, if you get the penalties along the way, you have to make those calls and those decisions at that time. But um, we were certainly an attacking of an attacking mindset. The, the whole the whole squad was so. Um, you know, when we when we obviously we got the the opportunity to, to go in front, um, it it was something that didn't surprise us. It was just a part of working through the game and winning the game. JP, are there any clear thoughts while you're out there in a Twickenham final? Are there any moments where you actually can think clearly about what's going on, or does it all become well, a little bit of a, a must? Do you, do you know, JP, Sam? Come on. Come on. <laughs> I think like what Ali was saying is dead right. You kind of go back to your processes. Because if you start thinking about everything that's going on and all the other bits and pieces, you'll start drifting away from what you need to be doing. So going back to your processes, making sure that you're doing your bits and pieces of the puzzle uh, and the rest kind of looks after itself. Really. Again, if you start start looking up too much and thinking what actually is happening, where you are in the game and the, and the scoreline, you'll start making those errors that would have led to some mistakes. But uh, I think just the experience of the lads we had and some of the intent of trying to play, um, once we knuckled down the state of our processes, we caused them problems in, in most areas of the park, really. I never want to single out players in a team sport like rugby, but, but there's a couple of names on the on, on the starting team sheet. I just want to just want to talk about um, mainly because of their characters on and off the pitch. Um, uh, JP, we'll stay with you because you, you played in quite close proximity to uh, Nick Strauss in a blue shirt. He he was quite a force, wasn't he? Oh, he's certainly, he's certainly a force. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Which way you weren't looking at, boss. But as, as a player, he was kind of lots of energy, lots of fizz around him. And he really got the fans behind him because he was a bit of a blues favourite with that really great big mop of curly hair. Um, <laughs> and and he, he was a bit of a Marmite character in some ways. Um, he did have the ability to rub his teammates up the wrong way. But then, you know, that, that's, that's part of what uh, a kind of team and, and uh, understanding how everybody, what everybody's best at is, is about, really. Um, it's certainly his um, engine and his energy levels were kind of outstanding within that. Um, how he went about it sometimes wound people up, but 
you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And, I think uh, you were trying uh, to be polite, today, but he was a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> he was a pain in the ass on and off the pitch. He, he used to wind ahead. I mean, a lovely bloke. I, I, I actually got some. Re- I did. I did get some really, really well with him. But my God, did he wind people up because he just he said what he thought, and, and at times that wasn't necessary. Um, but no, there was no filter. But but on the pitch, he was a pain in the ass to the opposition as well. You know, he would be. He was that player that when there were trying to drive a line out. He was working his way through the mall and getting his hand on the ball and, and just generally being in the wrong or the right place for us, but the wrong place for the opposition and, and just annoying them and winding them up. So it, he did some really, really good things on the pitch. And and as you say, JP, he, the, the fans loved him um, because he, he was very visible in what he did. I liked him. <laughs> um, Ali, the other player I just wanted to talk about because he had a particularly good year this year uh, uh, in 2004-2005 it started with a, a hat-trick in, in the first game uh, that, that the Blues played and, and he played very well and he went on to, to, to bigger and, and, and more wonderful things and it's very difficult to sum him up um, off the field but I'm going to give it to you to try to Ian Vass, what was it like having Vassy in the side? <laughs> well, I haven't looked at the video. He had a good mop of hair himself, to be fair, in that final. It's like, good, good God. Um, but look, um, look, Vassy you know, was, you know, obviously super talented, um, a, a, a guy that was always um, would have an opinion about the game, which was which was always good to see from young players, because um, often they just drift along, and, and he, he certainly. Would would have his say in meetings and stuff like that, and contributed to the to the side coming in. Um, you know, he, he obviously had a, a a great season that year, and it, it put kicked him on for for you know to step back up into the Premiership. So um, off the field, uh, look good value. You know, good a good guy um, uh, might might have struggled. We'll, we'll probably get on to the post match celebrations but he might have struggled with the bus back up to Bedford because it was a dry bus for whatever reason we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later much to many of our dis- much of our dis- Unbelievable. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it in my life but to be fair to um, to Vassy you know great value off the field good team man um, you know a lot of banter flows around him and, and I say you always knew he was going to be a, a good coach because he, he thought about the game. He had new ideas. He, he, um, he you know, he's passionate about it. And um, as I say, he had a, had a good career. Okay, well, let's talk about that then. You mentioned it there, the after party. Um, oh, I, I didn't it wasn't quite realise that. Yeah, and I was going to say, I didn't quite realise that. So you're you're telling us, and, and Matt, perhaps as as captain, you you get the opportunity to speak about this. There was a decision to to have a, a non-drinking bus back up to Bedford. Apparently so. I don't remember this. So maybe I'm the wrong person. I do. <laughs> maybe I did a lot of celebrating and the uh, the function at the at Twickenham afterwards and don't remember the bus trip back. Was this your decision, Matty? Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. This, this, this is a definite Strally decision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember powering in a couple at Twickenham yeah. to to get yeah, at least get a bit going, and then uh, had to sit out a I don't know an hour and a half journey back up the road. I think he might have been wise, judging on the characters in the room that we might not be drunk before. <laughs> How much damage could we do in an hour and a half? Well, probably quite a bit. 
But when you got back to Bedford, JP, when you got back to Bedford, the party was waiting for you, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, when we got back, yeah, it was great. It was just, it was just a bit of an odd one on the bus, really. But when we got back, it, uh, yeah, we, we managed to celebrate in style a little bit. And I can't well, what did we do the next day? Did we go to the church? Did we, did we do that every Sunday after we go? Oh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was all nice to be back at the back of the club and the beers. I think all the supporters have got, well, some had gone back, some had stayed to watch the game. So there's a few supporters around and stuff like that. I think. I think we just went into town, probably rose to a close. I think it was pretty busy in the main bar. It was pretty rammed yeah. in the um, uh, behind the post there and and in the in the bar there. It was it, it was a good crack once we got there. And I say we were on catch up, so I think it's a bit of uh, yeah paradise. Um Matt Allen, the uh, the blue supporters were always going to represent themselves very well down at Twickenham, and uh, a good five thousand or so travelled down with you and. I know you've spoken about it before. You definitely felt their presence uh, down at HQ. Oh, definitely. I think that, they, I mean, it was a hell of a long day. We were, we, because it was the, the format of the cup and there were three finals that day, uh, we were playing at something, or some, something like 12 o'clock we were playing. So <clears throat> my, my recollection is that we were on the bus at half eight or nine o'clock or something or even earlier to, to, to get down there. But when we got to the club, to, to get on the bus the, the supporters buses were all leaving at the same time so there were dozens of buses parked up outside um, loads of people in and around the club and it was a real sort of carnival atmosphere um, and, and you know just, just chatting with, with, with uh, supporters at half past eight in the morning was quite a bizarre experience oh. anyway uh, <clears throat> but, but yeah the noise they made down there I think uh, the, it, of course they didn't fill the stadium that wouldn't be expected but they were all in one area um, and you know that, I think within that league they, they were certainly at that point were the best supporting uh, um, fans by a country mile and, and they really came into their own uh, down at Twickenham It was a pretty glorious sort of occasion in, in, in a 10 in a year alley that you must have enjoyed at, at Bedford Blues yeah, look, it was uh, um, the the two the the last two years of my uh, that year and the following year where we uh, where we pushed on into second second spot and ran uh, ran Quinns uh, close in the final again and um, uh, and Mikey coming in that year as well was was they, those two those latter two years were real uh, really good. It was quite nice to enjoy after stepping back from the player coaching and and say to get the rewards of. Um, getting that trophy that, that obviously that we were kind of targeting, we always knew we had a shot at, um, and then the following year, obviously to back it up in the league, um, and and also you know playing with a lot of good mates, you know that we'd uh, known for many years. It, it was um, it was pretty special, and 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 I finished at the end of '06, and it, it was the you know the best way to finish it up. You know we won a trophy, and I say. We pushed pretty hard the next year. Ultimately, probably going to struggle to beat wins that year against full-time outfit. Um, but to finish on those two seasons was fantastic. Well, a huge thank you to you three. A fascinating insight to a wonderful memory for all Blues fans. It's made for a really excellent podcast. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. And until next time, from Matt Allen, John Phillips, Ali Heaper, and myself, Sam Roberts, a very goodbye. <laughs>